Welcome to the Waiting Warriors podcast. As loved ones of first responders and military personnel, we often face life situations and challenges that many others don't experience. And while each of us and our experiences are unique, together we can learn from one another and become stronger in this journey of life. Now let's step out of mediocrity. It's time to thrive. Welcome to the show. Today, I have a very special guest. I am very honored to have her on the show. This is Britt Harris. Welcome to the show, Britt. Hi. So, um, Britt, why don't you just go ahead and tell us your story? Okay. Um, I guess from the beginning, I, um, I was Facebook friends with Chris. And my dream dog was a French bulldog. I just think they were the cutest dogs in the world. And I posted nonstop about them. And I remember Chris and I started being Facebook friends. And, you know, he commented under a picture of a, a French bulldog that I had posted. And he said, you know, I'll get you one. And I said, oh, yeah, okay, sure you will. And he was like, you know, would you rather, you know, I put the ring on the collar or just hand it straight to you when I propose? And I was like, oh, this guy, like he is, he thinks he's so slick. Oh, he's, just, but it totally worked. Um, I went out a couple nights later with some friends. <clears throat> One of them, her husband had just come back from a deployment and he said, you know, bring Chris out, tell Chris to come out. And I overheard them and I was like, oh my God, is, is that the guy that I've been talking to kind of online? Like he's got really pretty blue eyes. And they were like, yeah, that's Chris. And I said, okay, yeah, bring him out. So he came walking in, we were, you know, downtown at a bar in Southern Pines and he came walking in and I remember everything he was wearing. Like, I just remember that exact moment he walked through the door and he came up to me right beside me, wouldn't look at me, pretended like I wasn't even there. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you're going to pretend you don't see me. He ordered his drink, was looking straight forward. And I just looked at him and I was like, so where's my dog? And he cracked this big grin and just still wasn't even looking at me. It was just smiling. And then, you know, he eventually turned to me and we talked. We ended up hanging out the entire night. We just hit it off right off of that. And um, the next night uh, or even the next day, he he called me. and was like, hey, let me take you to lunch. And then that just became like an everyday routine. And we were inseparable after that uh, all day every day together he was um, stationed at Fort Bragg and I was living in like Robbins North Carolina so that's an hour drive so he was driving to me an hour there every time he got a chance wow and then shortly after that um we were like let's just move in together let's do that. Let's move in together. Let's get married and move in together and be together. And who cares how fast it is. So a few months in, you know, we started picking out places to live. And, um, shortly after that, we got married in um, October 15th, 2016. Uh, we got married in Asheville on the French broad river. It was absolutely perfect. Um, you could, it was like at the at sunset on the river, the, you know, the sun was going down right over the water. We were dancing to like my favorite song. Just a few like friends and family came out there with us. Like it was just how I pictured like my wedding would be. And I had this beautiful flower crown and this giant like over the top dress. Um, we were just like so giddy. Like we were always together. Anytime we went somewhere, everybody would come up. Oh, Chris. Like everyone loved Chris. Everyone wanted to talk to Chris. You know, people would bombard him. Like, Oh, how have you been? You know, let's get together sometime. And if they saw one of us without the other, they were always, well, where's, you know, where's Chris or where's Brittany? Like people always expected to see us together. Um, he was absolutely my, my best friend. And for my birthday, he bought me that French bulldog. <laughs> he kept his promise and he bought me one. And um, like everything Chris said he was going to do, he did it. He was like a man of his word. He was just wonderful. Like there was nothing too expensive, no mountain too high. If he said he was going to do it, he was going to make it happen. And I could always count on Chris to follow you know, through with anything he told me he was going to do. 
um, before we had even met, he told me about an instance, because he's originally from St. Petersburg, Florida, and he told me about an instance where he was on the beach and a fight broke out and a guy ended up getting stabbed. And Chris ran over into the fight, like gave the guy medical aid, pretty much saved his life and was on top of him, giving him, uh, putting pressure on the wounds and getting people to get in towels, all this, you know, he explained all the medical terms, which made no sense to me, but um, they called the ambulance and Chris was still on top of this guy, like making sure he had pressure applied and they lifted Chris into the ambulance with him until someone could take over. And he actually um, was part of like this court case as like a witness. Uh, and the guy had sent him messages and letters, like thanking him, like you saved my life. And the army actually recognized Chris for that and put him in for a soldier's medal, which I was still trying to get for him even after he passed. But uh, for some criteria, it didn't quite meet it, but they ended up giving him a, a different type of award for it anyways. Um, and then, you know, that just being Chris, like that's the person he was, like he didn't fear anything. He went headfirst into danger. Um, we had uh, a Jeep Wrangler. So we're part of like the Jeep groups and we take it off road and all the time. That was like our hobby together. And we were coming back from uh, some trails one day. We we're on the road, like almost home. And there's these two street bikes like coming towards us. And one went flying past us. And then the next one came by and we saw the guy start to like fishtail. And then he just started flipping through the air and his bike was slamming onto the pavement and there were just parts of it going in all directions. And I was driving, so I slammed on brakes. Chris jumped out of the Jeep and ran over, like started trying to take care of the guy, like, you know, get him out of traffic. And you know, we were like, can we do anything for you? Can we take you there? Like that was Chris. It, a total hero. Like I, I tell people all the time, Chris was a hero in life and in death. Like the way he passed, like he's a hero. Like that was just his personality to help others. Um, so after we had been, we weren't even married a year. Um, so we were married in October. And then we started thinking, oh, let's let's try to have a baby. Because good Lord, Chris wanted to be a dad. He talked about it nonstop to the point where it was terrifying. <laughs> like right off the bat, like, hey, I know we just started dating, but let's have a baby. And I was like, you are crazy. Don't talk to me about that. Um, well, he did propose before you even technically met, so uh, yeah. <laughs> he was quick about it. He was like, "Let's have a baby. I want to have a baby. I love kids." And it was just, it would melt my heart all the time. Anytime we saw kids that you know he knew, he'd run up, pick them up, put them on his shoulders, play with. Like he was so good with kids, and I, on the other hand, was so incredibly awkward with children. Um, so I would just stand there, like, "Do I?" give him juice. I don't know what to do, you know, and he just came, it came so natural to him. Um, and I was like, thank God this comes natural to you because I'm not so great at this. So when we do have children, you know, later down the road, you're going to have to do everything. And he was like, yeah, done. That's not even a question. I'll do everything. I love kids. I want like a hundred of them. I was like, oh God. Um, cause Chris was adopted. Um, so he didn't have any siblings. And I was an only child as well, so we came from small families, and neither of us having brothers and sisters, it was something we wanted. We wanted to have a big family. Um, so I was like, okay, you know, I'll just figure it out as we go. <laughs> I'll, I'll figure out how to do all the diapers and stuff. Um, so he was very, very um, persistent, like, we are going to have a baby. So after we got married, we thought, well, you know, what better time to start trying than now? Um, but Chris, after a couple months of being married, got word that he would be deploying in the summer. So we stopped everything. We were like, nope, no more trying. That's too risky, too scary. We can't have a newborn baby and you not be here or you just leaving by the time the baby's born. Like, like that's, that's too much. I don't want to do that. Um, so then the 2017 started. We start preparing. Like, you know, we've got six, seven months left together before he deploys. You know, we're getting all our ducks in a row, like trying to make sure everything's where it needs to be. I moved back home towards the um, end. I moved back out to Robbins from where we were living close to Fayetteville. And we were just trying to spend as much time together. We took a trip down to Florida to see some of his family down there. And like everything, you know, seemed like it was going good. But I 
have terrible, terrible anxiety. Um, and the closer we got to it, the more I started to like panic. And I would, I would wake up like having nightmares and begging him, please don't go, please don't go. I don't, I don't think you can go. I have a bad feeling like something's going to happen. What if you don't come home? And Chris didn't know the word like pessimistic. He was so optimistic, so positive. Everything worked out for him. He would brag constantly. I'm the luckiest person I know. I'm the luckiest person I know. Everything works out for me. Everything falls into my lap, which it did. I, it blew my mind and all his friends. Like everything just seemed to always work out for him. Like he got out of tickets. Like he got out of any type of trouble that ever came his way. Like people just looked at him. And I told him, I was like, it's your eyes. I think people look at him and they just forget what they're saying. And that's how you get out of everything. Um, so I kept telling him, you know, I'm, I'm scared of you leaving. Like I've never experienced a deployment before. I don't want you to go. I want you to stay. And I know probably every wife and girlfriend says that, but can you say? And he's like, no, I can't say. So I just got worse and worse and worse with my anxiety. Like I was like, you know, I'm scared you're not going to come home. Or, you know, it would be time to be intimate. And I'd be like, no, I don't even want to do that because I'm scared I'll get pregnant. And what if I got pregnant and then you left and then I had to do the whole pregnancy by myself? So, of course, you know, he was not happy there. So he was like, you know, you're worrying too much. You're stressing yourself. Like, um, you know, you're just assuming the worst. Like, you know, what if you did get pregnant? Who cares? And I was like, no, you know, I can't risk it. I can't risk getting pregnant and you not being here. I can't risk getting pregnant and you not coming home. And he would get so angry and, you know, he would just kind of walk away from me. Like, I don't want to talk about that. You know, that's that's not the type of stuff I want to hear. And you know, I always felt a lot of guilt about that, that I wasn't more positive before he deployed. Like, I should have, you know, tried to think about what he was taking on instead of my own anxiety and my own worries. I'm sure he had just as many. And I wish I would have spent some of that time enjoying our time together instead of the what ifs. And even though those what ifs came true, I shouldn't have focused on it so much because whether I worried about it or not didn't change if it was going to happen or not. But towards the end, I was just like a, a nervous wreck. I was like, please don't leave. And then at one point he, he really sat down with me and said, if it means like you really don't want me to go, like tell me. And I thought, oh my God, no, I could never be that wife that didn't let her husband go on a deployment or, you know, was so crazy that he couldn't leave. I would never forgive myself. And, you know, especially if something happened over there and he wasn't there for it. Um, yeah. So Chris deployed and everything was good. I started, we figured out each other's time difference. We had certain times during the day that we were to talk to each other. And I knew, like, to expect this little schedule. And if there was going to be something off schedule, I knew to expect, you know, no messages that day or during that time. Um, so Chris left July 1st. And then maybe a couple weeks into, three weeks in, I started feeling kind of funny. And I don't know how to explain that to anyone unless they already know what I'm talking about. I just felt weird. My body felt weird. Like it just felt like I was <laughs> changing. And I was like, you know, what if I'm pregnant? Like how great would that be? And I was like, no, I'm just hopeful. And then I started Googling, like being um, convincing yourself that you're pregnant and your body having the symptoms, even though it's not real. <laughs> so I was like, well, that's what it is. I'm just convincing myself because I want it so bad for Chris. Because it wasn't that I, you know, was ready for a baby. I wanted Chris to have a baby. I thought there's nothing better in this whole world that I could give him than a baby. And how great would that be? And so I was like, well, you know, what if I did? Let's just entertain the idea for a little bit. So every day I was, like, looking at Pinterest ideas. And I was like, I'll send him a care package. And if I'm pregnant, I'll have, like, something in there. So when he opens it, it's a surprise. So I had already sent him his first care package I had already done the second one and was going to send out another one if it came true and I was actually pregnant. And then I started looking up all these ideas and I was like, I just kept feeding into it. I was like, I'm going to be pregnant. It's going to happen. I feel it. I know it. And then um, I thought, you know, 
by the time, so I, I timed it. I looked up, you know, online, like when I would be due and it would be the same time he was coming home. And I was like, how cute would that be? I picked out my announcement, how I was going to tell everybody. I was going to hold up baby boots in one hand and like combat boots in the other one and say, my soldier's not the only one coming this spring. And I was like, this is going to be great. Everyone's going to love it. Everybody's going to be so happy for me. That's so cute. <laughs> and I kept saying, I was like, well, and I Googled how long before you can get a positive pregnancy test. And it was like, you know, after your first missed period. I was like, well, God, you know, I'm not even three weeks since he's left. There's no way. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm just going to do it just in case. So I went and got pregnancy test. First time in my life taking a pregnancy test. <laughs> I was so <laughs> nervous because I was like, it's going to be yes and I'm not going to know what to do or it's going to be no and I'm going to be sad. So I was alone and I took a pregnancy test and I didn't even have to wait for it to turn like the full minute. It was instantly positive. And I was like, what? I just looked at it and I was like, no. And I just like walked around my house holding this pregnancy test like by myself and I was like, I need to tell someone but I don't have anyone to tell. Like no one's here. And I really don't believe this. So I remember looking at the box, like trying to see like two lines being positive. And I was like comparing them. And I was like, no, there's no way that's what that really means. So then I took another one and another one. And then probably not even joking, there's probably about 15 of them. And I still have them in a box because I went crazy. And for like, I just kept going to the store and buying them. And so I was like, okay, I got to tell him. I can't wait. I can't wait to do the care package. Like, keeping the secret will just kill me. So I ran out to the store and I bought a onesie and I came home and I used some of the stickers that I had been using to make his care packages. And I spilled out on the onesie, Chris, you're going to be a dad. And I put two of the positive pregnancy tests on top of it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to Skype him and I'm going to do it that way and just get it over with. So I messaged him and said, oh my God. God, I had the worst day. Like, it was such a bad day at work. I know we haven't gotten to have, like, an actual conversation on the phone. We've just been texting for the past few weeks. But, like, I really need to talk to you. Like, I need you to Skype me. And he said, you know, I'm about to go out and do something. A mission, maybe. I'm not sure. He, he was like, it's going to be really busy. And I was like, you know, just, just a couple minutes of your time. Like, I just really need to talk. And um, he was like, okay, Bernie. <laughs> What is so like important that you had to do at work that is you know requiring that we talk? And I was like, I just need to talk. So I was sitting on my couch already, like my hands were shaking. I was so nervous. I remember thinking like, why am I nervous? Like he's gonna be so happy. I, I felt like scared, but I didn't know why. I was just excited. Um, mm-hmm. so he, he was on Skype and I'm holding the phone and he's brushing his teeth and he's in this big room with like other people like walking around in the background, which is not the atmosphere I was hoping for. <laughs> like all these guys like, getting ready for the day, talking, like spitting in the sinks and stuff. And I was like, Oh, okay. Um, and he's like, okay, what's the problem? What happened? Tell me. And I was like, uh, yeah. And he was like, okay, okay, but what happened? What do you need to talk about? And I just froze and I couldn't think of anything to say. And usually I'm really good with my words, especially if I have time to think about what I want to say. And I just couldn't think of words. And I was just facing him on the camera. He was like dumbfounded. And he was like looking at me like I was crazy. He was like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, uh, just, I don't know. <laughs> And he, I could see him getting a, like confused and a little irritated. And he was like, you know, I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta start my day. You need to tell me what's wrong. So I just flipped the camera over onto the onesie, and I just got like really quiet. And I heard him go, "Are you serious? Are you serious?" And I flipped the camera back, and he was like, he already had tears in his eyes, the biggest smile on his face, and he was like, "Brittany, are you serious?" And I was like, yeah, I'm pregnant. And he was like, no, you're not. Are you serious? And he just like, he was like trying to hold back tears. And he just started, he turned around to his room and was like, I'm going to be a dad. And I was like, no, no, no. And people started coming up, hugging him. And I'm like trying to like get his attention. I'm like, Chris, stop telling people. No, no, no. You can't tell anybody. I haven't been to the doctor. There's so many chances it could be a, a false positive. Like we can't tell anybody. And he was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then he turned the camera away from me, and I could hear him whispering, I'm going to be a dad. 
I was like, Chris, just because I can't see you doesn't mean I can't hear you. And he was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. And then he was just so excited, like, all day long, lovey text messages, like, picking out baby names, like, you know, trying to figure out, like, all this, like, uh, how old does a baby have to be before they can go deep sea fishing in Florida? I was like, that is the worst question to ask right now. We need to be saying, like, where are we going to move? Like, we don't have a house. We don't have baby stuff. We are going to have to worry about child care. We don't make enough money combined to put a child in daycare, comfortably live. So do I quit working? Do I stay home? Do we try to ask family for help? Like, you know, what? he was like, no, I think I want to take the baby fishing. I was like, oh, there. <laughs> Okay, so obviously I'm going to have to be the worrier. And <laughs> he just, he was so focused on like having a little best friend. And I was like, I think, I think we're going to have a girl. And he was like, no, it's going to be a boy. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe it's going to be a boy, but I think it's going to be a girl. And he was like, no, 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 it's going to be a boy. And I was like, whatever. So he, um, we were exchanging all these baby ideas for the next week, like all excited. He sent me all these really sweet texts of, you know, I'm going to be such a good dad. I just know it. You're going to be such a great mom. We're about to start this like beautiful life together. And I love you. And I'm so glad to be doing this with you. And um, thank you for making me a dad. And I mean, it was just this whole side of Chris I had never seen. Like I knew he was good with kids. And I knew he loved me and I knew he was just like head over heels in love with me. But once I told him that we were going to have a family, it, everything about him changed. Um, and then I was like, you know, you're not telling anybody, right? Well, they're guessing. I was like, Chris, nobody just guesses that you're having a baby. He's like, oh, they're guessing. He told every single person he came across. And once the guys came home, they admitted that. They were like, oh, yeah, he was telling everybody I'm like, oh, so much for keeping a secret. Um, and I, he said, well, you know, we got to tell my parents. And I was like, no, I don't want to tell anybody until we're out of the first trimester because I think that's the safest. And he's like, well, when is that? I was like, you know, around 13 weeks. He was like, 13 weeks? No, absolutely not. I can't do that. I can't wait 13 weeks to tell my mom. My mom has got to know now. She's going to be so happy, like her first grandchild. Like, no, we got to tell her. And I was like, yeah, but what about, once again, being the pessimist that I am, I was like, what if we tell her and then something happens? I would hate myself for getting her excited and then taking that away from her. So I was like, let's just wait it out and make sure everything's healthy. Uh, and I had my first appointment a couple days after that and found out that I was five weeks pregnant. Everything looks good. Um, I sent him, you know, a little message after I got out of the doctor's appointment, told him how everything went. And then uh, it was a week after I told him I was pregnant and I was sending him messages one morning when I was at work. And I was like, hey, do you like this house? Do you like this house? What about this house? Can you check this house when you get a chance? And I knew it was time for him to be back and eating and doing his thing. And I was getting no answer. And I kept sending message after message after message, just casually like, hey, Chris, when you get a chance, like message me back. And then a couple hours went by, and I was like, you know, that's, that's weird. There's something not right. Um, and I, I was just having a bad day because of something, you know, with a friend, like an argument. So I was like, ah, I'm just really stressed. So one of my friends that I worked with, I was like, let's go get lunch together because I just – I'm, I'm a little nervous at the moment. I feel like something's wrong. So we went to get lunch together, and we were in line, and I follow American Military News on my phone, the app, so it sends me notifications. And I was sitting at the table waiting for our food, and I got a notification, and it said, two soldiers killed in Afghanistan at his base. And I just threw my phone down, and I was like, I got to go. I got to go. Like, you got to take me back to work. Like, we have to go right now. Like, right now. And I was in, like, full panic, like, breaking out in hives, shaking. And she was like, you know, what is wrong with you? Like, you're, you're fine. And I was like, no, it's Chris. Like, I know it's Chris. And she was like, no, it's probably just, you know, something happened. They're not allowed to be on their phones, like, which is, you know, a blackout. 
which I know that's the protocol for when something does happen, he wouldn't have been able to contact me. But something in my gut just said, no, it's, it's Chris. It's not someone else, and he's not allowed to call me. It's Chris. So we went back to my job, and I had mascara running down my face, like in sheer panic, like, you've got to send me home. I can't work the rest of the day. I don't want to be here. I need to go home. I think someone's going to come tell me that something happened to Chris, and I don't want it to be at my job. Like, I don't know how that notification process goes, and I don't want to be here. And they all looked at me like I was crazy. Um, they're like, you are really overreacting. Like, it's probably nothing. And I was like, no, I know Chris. And I know how protective Chris was over me. And I know he was willing to do anything, no matter the consequence, to take care of me. And I know Chris would have broken rules to find a way to get a message to me. That's the type of person he was. If they said, hey, you're going to get kicked out of the Army if you send a message to your wife, he would have been like, okay, then kick me out. Like, that's just how he was. He didn't care if it got him in trouble or it messed everything up. If it meant taking care of me or the people that he cared about, he was willing to go to any extreme. And I was getting nothing from him or his friends. So I know it's him because I know how he is. So they finally, you know, they were like, okay. And I was like, you don't understand. I'm pregnant. And they were like, nobody knew. And I was like, I'm pregnant and I can't be here right now. I need to go home. So I went home and I waited and I sent probably a hundred messages to Chris just over and over and over just saying his name, Chris, Chris answer, Chris, I've seen the news. I'm really worried. Chris, can you please answer? And I don't know why I thought just magically he was going to start answering me. Like I was trying on every social media app I could think of to get in touch with him. And then the messages stopped sending and they just started pending. And I was like, okay, they're coming to my house. Like, I know that's coming. And I paced my yard and I started calling my FRG leader, my friends, like anybody that would answer the phone. And I was calling them and like screaming and like walking through my yard. And I was like, it's Chris, it's Chris. And I just kept saying that to people. And they were like, you don't know that. I mean, even my FRG lady was like, no one's come down. No one said anything. Like, you know, we don't know what's going on. Just relax. And I was like, you guys just got to tell someone to call me and just tell me over the phone because this is torture waiting. Um, yeah. And they said, you know, well, you know, there's been something that happened. A few guys were injured. We don't know the names. You know, maybe Chris is just one of the people that got injured. And I was like, nope. I know he would have already contacted me. He would have found a way. I just kept getting angrier and angrier at the fact that no one was telling me. Like every, I just felt like everyone knew, but no one was telling me. So, yeah, I remember like punching my door. I was so angry. I was like walking, like this weird emotion came over where I wanted to cry and tears weren't coming out. Instead, I was just yelling um, and just pacing back and forth. And like my heart was racing. Like it was the weirdest emotion I think I've ever felt because it was so many combined at one time. And I was just talking on the phone to my coworker that I had had lunch with that day. And she was like, you know, calm down. It's going to be okay. Everything's fine. You know, Chris wouldn't let anything happen to him, blah, blah, blah. And then I saw a car pull up into my driveway and it had government tags on the front. And I just hung up the phone and I walked up and I greeted them. And I was like, I know why you're here and I don't want to talk to you. Like, you need to leave my property. And the guy got out, and he had a piece of paper in front of him. There were two of them. And he said, are you the wife of Specialist Christopher Harris? And I just started crying, and I was like, get out of my yard. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to talk. I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk about this. Leave. And he said, I'm so sorry. On behalf of, you know, the whole list of people he had to say and Secretary of this, President, whatever was written on the paper, I blocked it all out. Uh, and he confirmed that Chris had been killed. And I was like, okay, you can leave now. And he was just, you know, they kind of stood there like, you know, oh, don't really know what to do. And uh, I was just like in a shock, like very numb. Like this didn't really happen. I feel like I'm watching a movie. Like, you know, they come knock on your door. 
hand you a folded flag type thing. I'm like, this is not, this is not real. Um, and then it started really sinking in. And then I started like panicking and getting like really worked up. And like I, I was having like a full on panic attack. And I was like, you, you got to do something. Like I can't move. I can't walk. Like you got to help me. Like call an ambulance. And they were like, okay, you know, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was like, well, I'm pregnant. And I saw him start flipping through papers, like really confused. And I was like, you yeah, no one knows. Nobody knows I'm pregnant, but I'm pregnant. And you got to sedate me. You got to do something. I'm scared. I'm going to get too worked up. And I don't know how miscarriages work, but I'm scared I'm going to have one. So they yeah. called an ambulance for me. And they sat with me and they were like, we can't do anything for you because you're pregnant. And I was like, oh, that's great. <laughs> so I'm just going to sit here and suffer. Like you can't even give me something to put me to sleep. I want to go to sleep. And that's the thing I was like demanding, put me to sleep um, because I, I don't want to think. And the way my brain is like overreacting right now, I need to just be put to sleep. And they were like, well, there's nothing we can do for you. So the ambulance left and I was just sitting there and I was like, so what happens now? Do you guys just leave me? And they were like, no, no, no. Like, you know, whatever you need, we're here for. And I got a text message and it was Chris's mom. And she said, hey, Britt, have you heard from Chris today? And she had not received her notification yet. Um, so I asked them if instead of someone else going to notify her, if they would do it and let me go. And, of, you know, of course, they complied. And they said, yeah, you know, we'll do that. And they said, you're probably going to want to pack a bag and stay the night. And I said, uh, yeah, I guess. Whatever you think's best. So they took me inside, packed a bag for me. And one of the guys was so sweet, so sweet. And he had a very sick accent. Don't know where he's from, but very recognizable. And he said, you know, I'm going to get you some a shirt, some pants. And, and then he leaned over and <laughs> he whispered. He was like, do you need underwear? And I was like, yeah, I'll get them. Don't worry about them. I'll get my, my underwear. And he's like, okay. They fed my dogs, let me ready. They were like, do you have phone charge? Like everything that they could think of. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I was just like in a blank phase, you know, like no emotion. I was like, okay. So they put me in their car and they drove me to my mother-in-law's house, which was about 45 minutes away. So it was a very, very long, awkward, quiet drive. And they pulled over in the driveway right before her house and said, you know, when we go up there, we want you to sit in the car. And I was like, you know, screw that. I'm getting out. I'm going to see my mother-in-law. And they were like, no, no, no. People react differently. You let us do this and we'll tell you when to come over. And I thought, oh, stupid. I should be there. And um, they pulled up into the driveway and they went up to his parents' front door and they knocked. And I saw his dad open the door and he, you know, looked really confused. And he was just standing there and I was watching him and he just had this very confused look on his face. Like he didn't understand what they were saying. And then I saw his mom peek her head out and just like this instant look of horror. And I will never, ever, ever forget watching her get notified. It was way worse than my own notification. She, she came out of her house and just like screamed. And she's a very quiet person, very, very loving, soft-spoken. And she just screamed and dropped to the ground. And I was like begging them, like, please come over and tell me I can get out of the car. And um, they finally did. They said, okay, you can get out and go to her now. And I just ran as fast as I could and like dropped down to the ground with her and was like holding her. And she was just rocking herself saying, my baby, my baby, my Chris. If I can't believe it's my Chris, my Chris, I'm never going to see Chris again. Like, I can't believe it's Chris. And, you know, eventually the, the notification officers left. And for hours, I just kind of sat quietly in their house, still in shock, not knowing what to do. And just hearing his mom just screaming and crying, you know, on the phone with family members, you know, telling them what had happened. And, um, I just, I didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't know how to make it better. I didn't know anything I could do to comfort her. Like she didn't want to sit still. She was pacing a lot. And I thought, well, maybe I'll tell her I'm pregnant and that might make it, that <laughs> might make it better. And I really don't know what to do. So I walked up to her and I was like, I need to talk to you. And, you know, she 
couldn't even focus on me. And she was like, you know what, what, what is it? And I was like, um, I'm pregnant. And she was like, she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'm pregnant. And Chris is the only person that really knew maybe like one or two friends, half of Afghanistan. But I was like, you know, Chris is the only person that knows. And she like stopped crying for a minute and like hugged me. And I was like, did that make it worse? You know, like, does that make the situation sadder? And she was like, no, that's, that's good. That's good. That's good. You know, like it was hard to be happy at the moment because of what had just happened, but I didn't want to keep it from her. Um, and then I just, they went to bed or attempted to, at least they went into their room that night and shut the door and I didn't want to go into Chris's room and sleep in his bed because I just, I couldn't do that yet. And then I slept on the, the floor of their little movie room. I just seemed like the place that I should sleep. I was like, you know, I just want to sleep on the floor. And it finally just all hit me around three o'clock in the morning. And I cried and cried and cried so loud that they came in and shut the door. Um, not that I was bothering them, but obviously to give me some privacy, like it all just burst out in, in one giant like scream. And uh-huh. so the next day it was time for the casualty, a bear officer to come over and start paperwork, get ready for the flight to Dover to bring Chris's body home. You know, all that stuff happened. And in the process of getting all this paperwork done, I woke up maybe two mornings afterwards and I had started to bleed and I was like, okay, well, yeah, why not? Why not add one more awful thing to this all? I must've worked myself up so, so much stress that I've had a miscarriage and I came downstairs and I was like, you know, I need you to take me to the hospital. And his mom was so upset and she rushed me to the ER and the nurse actually was someone that I went to high school with and she was, crying and she was like I wanted to stay and I wanted to do your ultrasound because I know you and I'm so sorry for everything that just happened and I was like yeah okay Uh, you know I'm just convinced that I just had a miscarriage and they took me back there and they were doing the ultrasound and she showed me this like weird little thing on the screen (laughs) like a little blob and I was like okay and she was like do you see that and I was like yeah and she was like okay now do you see that flicker in the middle of it and I was like yeah what is that and she's like well that's a heartbeat and I just broke down and I was like that's my baby and she was like that's Chris that's that's a piece of Chris that you still have and I was just so emotional I was like mm. like she's my mirror like well I didn't know it was a sheep I was like that's my miracle right there like that's that's my only reason for living right now I gotta do everything I can tell me how to not have a miscarriage <laughs> and she was like there's nothing stop it but just take care of yourself you know eat healthy take your vitamins and what's meant to be will be and I was like okay so I was like no caffeine no deli meat like I was so strict on myself like if it even maybe was a little controversial like I was like no I was so open about my pregnancy until the end where I was like maybe a glass of sweet tea won't be so so bad you know like nine months pregnant I was like I need something to get me up out of bed um but my first trimester like every week his mom and I would count down like okay only this many days and we're into the next week and the baby's this size and then this many weeks and we're out of the first trimester and then once we're out of the first trimester this starts happening you know just our likelihood of having a successful delivery goes up this week and we were tracking everything this entire pregnancy like um so on it like we've got to be so healthy (laughs) And uh, his family, they were so great. You know, they're, they're like, you have any cravings? I was like, no. And the best part was trying to um, have his mom guess the gender. <laughs> oh, that was great. She was like, do you crave sweets or sour? And I was like, Sue, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, at 12 weeks, the uh, the Army hospital here, they were like, do you, we got to do extra um, lab work and blood work for you because Chris is adopted and no one had any idea of his ethnicity. We just knew he was mixed. And I was like, my generic answer was, I don't know what he is. He's just gorgeous. And they were like, okay, that doesn't tell us anything. 
So if we're going to do extra uh, blood work and, you know, while we're doing it, you're high risk. And so the option for a, uh, a, a test for the gender, we can throw that in if you're interested. And I was like, absolutely. I didn't know you could do them this early. And they're like, yeah, we can. And I was like, and it's right. And they're like, yeah, it's a blood test. <laughs> it's definitely right. And I was like, okay, yeah. I'm going to have a boy because that's what Chris wanted. And I'm a hundred percent sure it's a boy. Like I thought it was a girl at first, but no, no, no. Chris wanted a boy. We're having a boy name picked down everything. So convinced we were having a boy. And then they called me. I was doing a walk. I was out walking, trying to exercise. And they called me with the results and they were like, it's a girl. And I was like, are you sure? <laughs> are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure it's a boy. And they're like, no, no, you're having a girl. And I was like, I didn't think of any girl names. Like, I don't know what to do. I was, I was so stuck on a boy that I didn't even think about the option of a girl, which is crazy because it's a 50-50 chance. Um, so I went home and I was like, I, you know, I was like talking to his mom after I told her, I was like, well, we got to think of a name now. And she was like, you know, Brady, I'm, I'm secretly happy it's the girl. And I was like, me too. <laughs> I was like, I know Chris wanted a boy, but I really want a little girl. I think it'll be fun. And she was like, it will be. She's like, oh, you're going to love it. She's like, and boys are just, they have so much energy. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. So we were deciding, like, okay, we got to think of girl names. And I was like, you know, I planned on naming a little boy kind of after Chris. I was like, well, how do I do that with a girl? And um, I was like, I think I like the name Christian because it sounds like Chris. And we'll give his middle name Michael. We'll turn it into Michelle. And we'll just name her after him the best that we can. And she was like, oh, that's perfect. I love it. I love it. And she was like, okay, well, how do you want to announce it? And I said, okay, I guess I'm going to figure it out. And Chris's best friend, who is now the godfather of Christian, uh, was obviously still over there. And we were talking on a daily basis because I understood that the guys over there saw something awful. Um, mm -hmm. Like Chris was killed by a suicide bomber and it it was just a very traumatic experience to witness I know I wasn't there and I'll never know how it was to be that close to what happened but I know it was bad for them so I tried to you know keep that in the back of my mind like yes I just lost my husband yes I'm pregnant but I did not go through what they went through I have my own grief that I'm going through and nothing can compare to what they're doing. And they're still there. Um, so I was like, you know, hey, what can I do for you? Can I help you guys? Do you guys need anything? Do you want me to send you care packages? And they were like, what is wrong with you? Like, go take care of yourself. And I was like, let me take care of you. Like, I was begging his friends. I was like, please let me, like, send you care packages. Let me do something for you. Like, I don't have anyone to take care of. And I'm so used to taking care of Chris. It's it's lonely. Like, can I do things for you? Like, is there something you need? Is there certain foods or snacks? Like, you know, I'll go out, I'll buy it, I don't mind. And, you know, they were like, uh, I, I guess. And I was like, well, you know, would you guys help me with my gender reveal? Like, that way we could all be kind of included and you could do something happy. They were like, yeah, that'd be good. And I was like, okay, you know, get your mind off of it. Like, let's do something together because I don't have anybody right now that, it, you know, I had all my friends and family, but my connection to Chris was them. And they were all over there. Mm -hmm. like every single one of his friends in the army who I was used to seeing on a regular basis, they were gone. So I was like, well, let's do this together. And I just, I sent the confetti poppers to them, mailed them to them. And I didn't tell them the gender. So it was a total surprise to them. The only person that knew was family. So they did their big gender reveal with the confetti poppers and it went viral and everyone loved it. And I watched, I was at work and I went like screaming, like I worked at a bank and I was like running down the teller line, like yelling. And I was like, I can tell everyone now. <laughs> I was like, it's a girl, it's a girl. I cried when I watched their reveal because like, they're so happy. Their, their reactions are just so innocent and genuine. I loved it. Um, so we did that. And then... I kept telling everyone, like, I'm going to have this baby on St. Patrick's Day. And they were like, mm, no, you're not. 
And I was like, you watch. I'm going to have her on St. Patrick's Day. And I had a duel. And she said, hey, you're a first-time mom. Probably not going to go early. You'll probably go past your due date. And I was like, mm-mm, you wait and see. It's going to be a week early on St. Patrick's Day because the first night that Chris and I met, it, we hung out all night at an Irish pub. And that was our place, and we went there all the time. And I just think it would be so fitting to have her on St. Patrick's Day. And we could just feel it would be something yeah. that would remind me of Chris. And the week that she was born, I prayed to Chris, and I said, I am ready to be a mom. I want you to bring her to me on St. Patrick's Day. And the night of the 16th, I got food poisoning on accident and, <laughs> and went into labor. And I called everyone and I was like, hey, I'm real sick and I'm in the hospital and I'm in labor. And so on the 17th, I was in my room with Christian recovering. And some of the guys from the unit or from his unit had just come home. And that was the same day. And they were like, hey, we're at Green Ramp. Where are you? Are you coming? Like, we want to see you. And I was like, um... Yeah, I, I can't. I'm in, I just had a baby and they were like, no one believes me. Everyone thought I was joking. I was like, no, I really did have her. I know it's St. Patrick's Day and I know it's the day that you guys all came home. Like, but no, I, I definitely had her this day. And his mom, you know, she loved that so much. She was like, I feel like Chris came home with them, you know, because she was born at the same time that they got here. And she was like, that was Chris coming home. Um. And she looks just like him. Oh, my God. She doesn't like me at all. And people try to say, like, really nice things. Like, oh, she has uh, your mouth. <laughs> she doesn't. And they're like, yeah, you're right. I'm like, I can't. There's not one thing about her that looks like me except for the fact she has really long toes. And I'm like, nobody even pays attention to that. She got that from me, and that's it. And everyone was like, oh, my God, that's Chris. She looks just like her. like, same stunning blue eyes I mean just gorgeous she was she lost all her hair now but when she was born she had just dark thick full head of hair she's tan which I am definitely not like she looks like I adopted her like when I go places with her I just feel like people are looking at me like that's not your baby because she doesn't look like me in any way um, but she definitely looks just like Chris, which is great. Because every time I look at her, she'll make certain faces. And I'm like, oh, my God. Thanks, Chris. Or, you know, she'll start fussing or giving me, like, really sassy looks. Just to be five months old, she's got this huge personality already. And I'll take pictures uh-huh. and send it to the guys in the unit. And they're like, oh, my God. I've seen Chris make that face before. And I'm like, yeah, me too. Um, so they're, they're all so really involved. And anytime we can do, like, a get-together they line up. They all want to hold her. They all want to see her. Like she loves them too. Like she's not scared of them. She doesn't mind being held or passed around. Like she's all about it. Loves the attention. Loves being with the guys. It's great. Like because they still like you know sometimes one on one they'll come over and see her at the house and spend time with her. And like I was really glad that they like kept that connection going because I don't think that they realized that it was important to me. Not just that Christian know people that were friends with her dad, but when I lost Chris, I felt like I lost my identity, which Chris didn't make me to be the person I am, but I was so used to being with him. He was my partner and my other half, and losing him meant I lost everything, everything that I had been building and working on, and this military wife lifestyle and it was gone and I didn't have a connection to the army anymore or so I felt. And I remember in one of my appointments, like an ultrasound appointment, I broke down to my doctor and I started crying and I said, you know, I, I don't belong in the army anymore. Like I lost my connection. I'm not part of the army. Like I don't have a reason to come on base anymore other than appointments. And when this is done, I'm done. And he, you know, he teared up and he's like, no, honey you're more a part of the army now than you ever were. And we will always, always be your family. And I was just like, those words like really stuck with me. Like, I'm not just going to lose everybody. Like everyone's still going to be here. They're going to help me and they're going to take care of me. And they definitely have, like, they're still super involved. And uh, obviously the photo shoot with the hands 
surrounding Christian that was really um, popular. They're like, okay, well, let's recreate this every year, even though like we're all going to get stationed in different places. Like we really need to still keep that connection together. Let's all, you know, plan it where we all get back together no matter what. And I was like, you know, I'd love that. Like, cause I know they're going to leave. Some of them already have left since they returned home and they're stationed at different places now. Um, but like, that's the plan. Like, even if it's just once a year or be it Skype or what, whatever, we're going to try and like make sure that Christian gets to know all of these guys. And then they've told me all of their, um, plans for her prom date, <laughs> how to scare them. Uh, anytime that there's going to be boys around, all 20 of them are going to show up and, and be big and scary. So they're like already thinking of like way down the road, like being involved in her life and what they're going to do for her. It's just heartwarming. That's so awesome. The whole story just makes me all <laughs> choked up. Um, but I want to ask, like, you're now, like, you just did a whole um, dedication for Chris. You're doing events and all that kind of stuff to memorialize him. You work with different foundations. Like, how how have you been able to muster up that strength and courage when it, when it would be so easy and no one would blame you if you stayed to yourself and just grieved more, if that makes sense. Like how have you mustered up the strength to kind of keep on? Right. Like there's always the option to just stay home, isolate myself, take care of Christian and just pretend, you know, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Um, but then his mom is a lot of the driving force that helps me keep going because there I got bombarded with interview requests and I denied, I would say 90% of them, like, you know, huge news networks. And I was like, nope, nope, not doing it. Don't want to be in the media. People would put out articles and I would be like, I'm not going on camera. I don't want to be seen. You can put pictures of Chris and Christian. I don't want to be part of it. Like I'm very like self-conscious and insecure. I don't want to be in the media. And his mom, you know, came to me and was like, it would mean a lot to me because I don't want Chris to be forgotten. And I was like, you're right. Cause no one else is going to get out there and do this for me. No one else is going to go out there and speak his name and do these dedications. Like, yeah, the first year probably, but after that, people are going to go back to their lives. And then slowly his name is going to be said less and less and less. And I thought, well, that, I'm not letting that happen. You know, that the famous quote, uh, a man dies twice, once when he stops breathing, and then again when his name is not spoken anymore, or, you know, paraphrasing that. And I thought, you know, I don't want that to happen to Chris. He had such a bigger-than-life personality, and he was such a good person, and he loved everything about life. I don't want him to be forgotten. I don't want people to just be like, oh, well, that's another soldier, and that's unfortunate, and then move on. I want people to know him, even if they didn't ever meet him. And I want people to see his name on these pavers or, you know, dedication events and be like, oh, that's Chris Harris. Um, even like the Mission Barbecue here has dedicated a booth to him with his um, his jacket and picture of Christian and a picture of him framed up above it. And it's like they've named it the Chris Harris table. So every day they'll tell someone, hey, take this to the Chris Harris table. So his name will be said every single day there. And just things like that to make sure that people keep saying his name and keep thinking about him and that he's not forgotten because I owe that to him. And that's my new responsibility as his widow is to make sure he is still remembered and not to mention the fact that I have his daughter. And the last thing that ever needs to happen is for her to be like, I don't know about him, you know, or can you tell me about him or, you know, what was he like? I want her to just know. I want her, like, as soon as she starts really comprehending and talking, I want her to be able to look at pictures and be like, well, that's my dad. And if someone ever asked her a question, I want her to just be able to spout out, like, all of these details, like, as if she knew him. I don't want her to feel like she doesn't know him as a person. And the more work I do and the more foundations I get involved in, the more chances I have to keep Chris's name alive and all over the place. Like I keep telling everybody my goal, like one day I promise I'm going to have his name up in light somewhere. <laughs> it's a good goal. 
Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but it's going to happen. Yeah, we'll just re- we'll replace the Hollywood sign or something. <laughs> yeah, like that's about the size I'm thinking. Yeah, is that big enough? Is that big yeah. enough for you? Yeah, I can do that. That's amazing. Honestly, I am I am just in awe um, at you and your family and how you your approach to all of this. It's honestly truly inspiring and touching how you have stayed together as a family, how you stay together as a person, and but then also just including his unit. Because I know often um, there is that separation because but I, th- I think you're a great example of that separation happens because people let it happen and it doesn't have to happen. Um, if you put the effort towards it. Oh yeah. So. This, um, the, his anniversary, I went to, um, I went on base and they were having a very small little dedication and I just popped up and at the end of it, and they were saying a prayer and I was like, Hey, can I talk? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. Come up to the mic. I never, ever show up anywhere with anything prepared. I just always just say whatever comes to mind, and usually it comes out okay. <laughs> and I got up there, I told him, I was like, you know, there is nowhere else I would rather spend the day than with you guys. And you're my family, and I want to be close. Like, please don't be scared to talk to me, because I feel like some of them still are. I was like, you know, you're not going to upset me. If you need to vent about good stuff, bad stuff, whatever it is, like, come to me. If you don't want to talk to your wife, I will listen. Um, I want to be part of your life. And at the end, there was this huge line to get to me. And I was there way longer than I thought it was going to be. And they kept coming up one by one, hugging me. And a majority of them all said the same thing. I didn't know I could talk to you. You know, there's a few that are very close, you know, that were in the picture, but the entire unit, you know, is pretty big. And they were like, you know, I didn't know. I didn't know I could talk to you. I didn't know because I thought it would upset you. So I've been avoiding you. And I remember towards the end, there was one guy and he came up to me and had his head down. And he said, Miss Harris, I don't know if you remember me. And I just stopped him and I was like, I know exactly who you are. I know that accent. You're the guy that you were my notification officer. And he just like put his head down and he said, yes, ma'am. And I was like, I remember you. And he said, I have been avoiding you because I didn't want to remind you of that day. And I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to upset you by coming up to you. And I just like, I felt so bad for him. I was like, you know, for a whole year, you've been avoiding me because you didn't want to upset me. You know, I was like, you should never, ever feel like you're just this walking, like, bad sign you know you're a good person and what you did your job and I, you know I told him I was like thank you for being so good to me that day for packing my bag to take me to my mother-in-law you know and I was like I was not nice to you and I should have been and I apologize for that I understand that my reaction was expected but that doesn't mean it's okay to treat you like that and you know I hugged him I was like anytime you want to get together your family you want to see Christian you want to be involved in anything don't ever feel that because you're the guy that gave me the bad news that you're not allowed to be around for the good parts too and you know he teared up a little bit and he thanked me you could just see like this weight come off his shoulders like a lot of the guys come home and think I need to leave the family alone because I'm a giant reminder of something awful and if they don't see me they won't think about it but that's not true I'm going to think about it whether they're around or not and I'd rather spend time with them talking laughing hearing stories of you know Chris and things he was doing at work or you know even the crazy stuff he was doing in the short time he was in Afghanistan he was already being wild <laughs> and I've only gotten a few of those stories I'm like ah it doesn't even surprise me you know but that's the thing like I have to communicate with them like you come to me like we're we're in this together I experienced uh, a grief that you will never understand because you know he wasn't your spouse but you lost a friend and someone you were with all day every day and your brother in the army and I will never understand that either and our grief languages might be different, but we're still grieving the same person. So we can still gain from each other. And that's just something I have to remind them. Like, you know, you don't have to stay away. Like I'm here to help you as much as I can. I'm, I'm honestly in so much awe. Um, last question. What is your key to thriving 
that you would like to share with your fellow waiting warriors? I think my key to thriving is just trying to make sure that Chris's name is remembered, that people know him, know his story, that people definitely know about Christian. Like I owe my life to her at at the point where I thought I couldn't keep living. Like she gave me a reason to. So to Chris and to Christian, like I, I owe them this, that I get out there and I speak on their behalf because I'm the only one that can. And then, you know, I have a duty to the Gold Star family community. Um, I'm actually shocked uh, a lot of the time how many people who are in the military and don't know what the term Gold Star means. And to have to explain it is a little awkward. You know, they say, oh, I'm a veteran. And I say, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Gold Star spouse. And they look at me like, what is that? Oh, well, you know, my husband was killed in action. Oh, oh, God, you know, I'm so uncomfortable now. Um, so, you know, that's another one of my things that pushes me forward is, you know, make sure that Chris and Christian get the respect and honor that they both deserve and that the Gold Star community, like, gets a recognition and people actually start knowing what it actually is all about. That's, yeah, I guess uh, when you first said that, I was kind of in shock. Like, how do you not know that? But then I realized my husband's a chaplain, so we... Um, we hear that term. He's typically there's the notifier and then the second person is the chaplain. So that's something, that's something that I'm familiar with, but yeah, that is, I wouldn't have thought that that would have been a need, but yeah, like I definitely thought like when I say I'm gold star, people are going to treat me the way I've been being treated, you know, like all through Dover and the memorials, like a majority of the military was like gold star, you take your hat off and salute her, whatever you need to do. Like I was treated like incredibly well. And then I started going out like into the community and they say, oh, you know, I'm a retired vet, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I'm gold star. They have no idea what that is. And that it happens a lot. Um, even like, you know, a couple privates that were working the gate, you know, they were asking me something that was on my ID and, you know, I, I, they were like, what does that mean? Oh, I'm gold star. What was that? Okay. Well, you know, I, this is an issue that I didn't know existed. Like people don't know what gold star means. Which they really, really should. Yeah. So like, that's another goal is to like actually get that term out there where enough people, know what it is and like when they see it or hear it they like respect it yeah yeah that's that's important and again I'm I'm just and awe is the only word that I can say I'm just so touched by your story I'm in awe at how personal you have taken this responsibility and how well you're doing like you it, it seems like every few days I'm seeing something on social media from you of, Hey, this event is coming up or this memorial, the pavers or anything. And I'm just honestly very, very impressed. Well, thank you. I try. I feel like people are like, my God, how does she know all of these things all the time? Like I'm actually going to Fort Benning next week for another one. <laughs> oh. Well, we're about to go to um, Fort Campbell. So if you ever show up in Fort Campbell, let me know and we will come and support and do anything you need. I can come to, like, I'm but, to Tampa in August, I mean, in October for another thing down there for veterans. And I'm like, if people make sure, like, you know, I can get places with Christian, I'm all about it. I'll show up. And they're like, will you come speak? I was like, I don't know what you want me to speak about, but yeah, I'll do it. And they're like, okay, I'll just wing it when I get there. <laughs> it's pretty good when you wing it yeah I'm pretty good at wing awesome well I again thank you so much for being on the show um if somebody wants to connect with you what's the best way for them to connect with you follow you in Christian support you guys what's the best way for them to do that like social media wise Pro- yeah my Instagram Instagram yeah. awesome I'll link that in the show notes. Um, guys, her little girl is so cute. Mm-hmm. And see the pictures, like you have a few where it's her and then Chris right next, like side by side. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. They, they're twins. <laughs> and then like his baby pictures, I have a couple of those next to her baby pictures. 
like someone thought it was just her twice. And they were like, that's a weird looking picture of her. Like she's in like really old clothes. I was like, that, that is Chris. That's so funny. That's so funny. Well, thank you again, Brittany. I am so honored and touched to have you on the show and to be just another way that you can memorialize and spread your message. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Hi guys. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. I know I've been learning so much, so please share with any friends and family, you know, whether you know someone who is a waiting warrior, or if you just think one episode can shed some light to friends and family about what you're going through, share and always remember we're stronger together and here we can thrive until next time. Have an awesome day.